Man, it was hot today. I thought it was hot. I know we we got some folks visiting from California. It was cool for them. But for the rest of us, it was a little toasty. If you got your Bibles with you, open up to Revelation chapter 19. And tonight we have the opportunity. We're kind of getting ready to wrap up Revelation. And as we do, what we want to understand when we come to Revelation 19, Revelation 19 is the best chapter in the whole book. Because Revelation 19 is when Jesus comes back. It's the one event that I long for more than any other event. I want to see Jesus come back. I want Him to come back and get us. I want Him to come back, set up His kingdom. And Revelation 19 is just that. Jesus Christ setting His feet on earth again. And as it's presented to us by John... Remember, I shared with you before, when John writes, when he writes his epistles or he writes his gospels, John writes uh, books like a symphony. So John doesn't think linearly. John thinks in loops, like uh, we would in a song. Sing a verse, sing a chorus, then verse 2. You guys with me? Then a chorus, maybe a bridge, then a verse. He kind of moves around. John doesn't think in a straight line. So we come to Revelation 19. Revelation 19 is not in a straight line. Uh, he's going to make a comparison in the beginning. There are two marriage suppers, or two suppers, you can be a part of at the end of the book. One is good. One is bad. One, you get to eat dinner. One, you are dinner. <laughs> so when we look at them, you're going to see two. You're going to see the supper of the great God which is really a supper for the birds as they devour the bodies from the Battle of Armageddon. And you're going to see the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he places the marriage supper of the Lamb first. He's going to discuss the marriage supper of the Lamb and then the supper of the great God. That has nothing to do with chronology. has nothing to do with chronology. When we see the second resurrection, the resurrection of the body, the Old Testament saints raised to life again. They are at the marriage supper of the Lamb. John the Baptist told us that. They asked John the Baptist, Hey, John, are you the Christ? He said, No. He said, No, I'm not the bridegroom. I'm the friends of the bridegroom. Old Testament saints, friends of the bridegroom. Who's the bride of Christ? Church is the bride of Christ. Church is the bride of Christ. Jesus is the bridegroom. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus said, the day will come when we will sit down to supper with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you'll want to be there. He's talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Two suppers. The first one, the one we're, the one we're going to look at tonight so that we can understand the comparison is marriage supper of the Lamb. So we're going to pick it up in verse 1, read the first ten verses. It says, after this... I heard what seemed to be a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For His judgments are true and just. For He has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of His servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down. And worship God, who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you His servants, you who fear Him, small and great. 
Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen are the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. And I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Let's pray. Father God, as we come to your word tonight, Lord, I pray, God, that it would do its perfect work in us. Through us, Lord, we want to understand, we want to grow, we want to know. So we ask, God, that you would enlighten us, Lord, that you would show us your way. Father, as we lift this time to you, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we start, we see the praise of heaven. Now this is good, right? Because lately we've just been seeing annihilation over and over and over for 18 chapters. So... As we look, it starts with the praise of heaven. And this praise of heaven is going to involve three things. Let's take a look at it. Verse 1. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven, crying out, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. So we see a multitude in heaven. Now this multitude in heaven is vast. It's going to be made up of several different For lack of a better term, categories of people. You have Old Testament saints who are there. You have the church who is there. You have tribulation saints, most of which have lost their life. If not all, have lost their life during the the tribulation period. And they're all with, with one voice doing what? Praising God. Glorifying Him. I don't even think we can begin to fathom or imagine the majesty the glory, the beauty that, that we're going to see when we see our God face to face. I don't think we can even begin to, to fathom it. And the Bible over and over and over again talks about there being a multitude. Not a few, a multitude. There are a lot of people. It's not that the, the, the way is narrow. Absolutely. The way is narrow. There's one way, right? Not multiple ways. What's the one way? Jesus Christ, one way. I am the way, the truth, the life. No other way to the Father except through me. That's why it's narrow. One way. But everybody who comes through Christ will make up the multitude. Not only them, the angels, the living creatures. In fact, we'll look at a few of them. Uh, in, in Revelation 7, 9, we see the same phrase. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one can number. Now, is that big number or a small number? Okay, so no matter what number you want to make it, it's big, right? It's big. It's not little. So sometimes in our day, and I'm sure in their time, you start to feel like the minority, right? Nobody, we're the only ones who can see what's going on. We're the only ones who, who recognize the inconsistencies in the worldview of the world. And, and we feel like uh, the number's little. So I just want you to know, at the end of the story, the number's big. There's a huge multitude who have come to salvation through Jesus Christ. A multitude no one can number. From where? Every nation, every tribe, 
every tongue. So it's not limited. It goes everywhere, right? We're going to talk about that tonight. When we look at Matthew 22. We're going to talk about the call going out. They're standing before the Lamb, clothed in what? White robes. Got to be in white robes. What do the white robes represent? He tells us earlier it's the righteous acts of the saints, but where do we get it from? Where do we get our righteous acts? Jesus, right? It's Jesus. We got to be clothed in Christ, don't we? We got to put on Christ. We don't put on Christ, you don't get in. Right? We said one way. Got to have Christ on. This is a multitude. Scripture says there's 24 elders up there. We talked about that. I told you, I feel like the 24 elders are representative of the church. You can't agree or disagree with me. I, I told you, you have the freedom to do that. I don't mind. And as many people who want to be wrong can be wrong. It's okay. I don't mind. But when we look at it, the 24 elders are there, right? So you have the multitude. You have the 24 elders. Bible's been talking about them. Every time the Bible talks about them, what are they doing? Falling on their face before Jesus, throwing their crowns at his feet, right? Glorifying the one who paved the way for them to be where they are, no matter who it is. Glorifying God. Why? Because there in the presence of God, you have inexpressible joy forever now i don't know what that's like i've never had inexpressible joy for more than a couple minutes at a time so what it'll be like you know after a thousand years of just being so filled with joy you can't keep it in no more uh, i don't know but I'll, i think i'll be looking forward to the next thousand and experiencing and where is that found in his presence being there with him. And I just want us to understand. Revelation 19, the beginning, this marriage supper of lamb, is a tremendous time of incredible joy as we have this experience with the Lord God Almighty. We also see the four living creatures, part of this multitude. The four living creatures are always in the same place. We've talked about it before. Cherubim and seraphim. Those two words mean the same thing. One has... a uh, Roots that go back to Babylon. One has roots that go back to Egypt. They both are, mean exactly the same thing. Not two different kinds of angels. Cherubim and seraphim are throne guardians. And you always see them in the same place. Every time you see the throne of God, you see them. And they're around the throne of God and they're saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who is, who was, and who is yet to come. So as they're proclaiming their praise, why is that spontaneously erupting from them it's not somebody standing there with a whip saying cracking a whip on them and saying you better keep praising and it is spontaneous because of being in the presence of god we can't even fathom that because there's nothing in our experiences like that nothing in our experience that that means when i'm in the presence of of this being all that wants to bubble out of my soul is a spontaneous praise but that's what it's like in a throne room of god that's what it's like there. Especially here, because when we've seen at least three glimpses of someone being in the throne room of God. Isaiah. Isaiah says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. He's in the presence of God. What did he say? Woe is me. Oh, I shouldn't be here. Ezekiel, same thing. Prophets of God, Hosea, Jeremiah, the prophets of God, when they met God, they freak out. Why do they freak out? Because they're in this. They're in this body. They're dealing with this body of sin. They're dealing with these struggles. But that day, Revelation 19, that's over. The b battle with sin is done. You are going to be like Him. You're going to be cleansed. You're going to be 
what you've always wanted to be. The battle for sin is finished. And you're going to be able to erupt in his praise just like the angels have been able to. It's a glorious day, man. It's, a, it's an incredible day to see the beauty of the Lord as we stand before him. And then he called out, you're, you saw in those first ten verses, all you who fear the Lord, great and small, praise his name. The call, the spontaneous praise that erupts. Now, what's the, what's the reason for the praise? And we can find the reason if we just pay attention to the, to the scripture. What does it say for us? In verse 2, verse 2 starts with the word for. You guys see that word for? Every time you see that word for, think because. Most of the time, it's the word hoti or hotan in the Greek. And it means because. It's giving you the reason for whatever happened before. So why are we praising? Why are we celebrating the Lord? What are the reasons that we're celebrating Him? The first one He lays out. His judgments are true and just. For He has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged her blood on the servants. All the way back in chapter 6, you saw the martyrs under the throne. You remember? They're crying out, How long, O Lord, until you'll avenge us? We've lost our heads. Right? We've talked about the city of Babylon. We've talked about the fact that the Bible is a story of two cities. Jerusalem, a city in submission to God. It's an illustration. Not that Jerusalem's always right. We're tracking, right? Jerusalem, God's city, especially the one that comes down out of heaven. Okay? Babylon, the city that speaks of rebellion against God. Babylon speaks of rebellion against God. What's he saying? He's judged that. It's over. The war is done. It's finished. Kaput, done. Oh, it's finished. All the stuff we long for, I, I just can't wait until all that, all the drama's done. There's no more drama ever again for eternity. Hallelujah, praise ye the Lord. Man, and so he's saying, the judgment is done, and I have avenged the blood of those who have been killed. Throughout history, the scripture says. The martyrs under the throne are the martyrs throughout history. There have been a multitude of people killed for their faith, haven't there, throughout throughout time and so much more during the tribulation period is that antichrist lops off their heads if they won't worship him just like caesar lopped off their heads when they wouldn't worship him right so we see these this great multitude so the first reason for this praise is because the character of god has been revealed through the judgments the character of god true and just are his judgments god is right he's right Nobody's going to stand before the Lord on Judgment Day and say, you, you, you haven't judged me rightly. I believe everyone, no matter what the judgment, everyone will declare, true and righteous are your judgment. There will be no one, no one will be left to argue. So why are, the, why are we praising Him? Because He's true. He's righteous. I told you before, I love the line in which in a wardrobe, when it, I love the Aslan, I, I could never have enough pictures of lions big manes they're just barely looking aren't they big old crazy looking lions and i love the line when they're looking at aslan and they look over and they ask the character in the book is he safe and he says no he's a lion but he's good he's good and if he's good well, you don't have to worry about it he's good god's good Safe? Probably not safe. No, probably not. He's not tame for sure. But he's good. 
He's good. So we're going to praise him for the true and righteous judgment. Look at verse 3. It says, Once more they cried out, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne saying, Amen! Hallelujah! The second thing, conquest of Babylon is over. The battle with the unbeliever is finished. Battle with the unbeliever is done. For, for better or worse, it's, it's, it's done. It's done. It's not done for us. We still uh, stand out on the corner of Planned Parenthood. And there's plenty of battles out on the corner of Planned Parenthood. Ain't there, Bill? Plenty of battles that get fought out there. Why? Because the battle ain't over yet. But the day will come whether or not we win and we see abortion ended in our lifetime or it's when Christ returns. But the battle will be finished. Babylon, the conquest of Babylon will be fulfilled. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. Utter destruction. It's finished. Done. Done. In verse 5, he goes on. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God all, you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. And I heard what seemed to be a voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah. Why are they crying out, Hallelujah? What's the next word? Four, right? You see the word? Four? Four? They're singing, Hallelujah, because the Lord our God, the omnipotent, reigns. What are they praising God for? They're praising God that He is all-powerful and His kingdom has come. He reigns. No more are we saying God's going to come and set up a kingdom. Everybody can see it. There's the king. There's the kingdom. There's the throne. It's, it's here. It's done. And so the response, praise comes out. Praise comes out. Why? Because the Lord our God, the Almighty, the word is pantocrator in the Greek. It means all-powerful, supreme. Uh, some Bible translations use the word omnipotent, which is the same way. It means the same thing. All-powerful. He is able. Now what the Bible declares, is God able to save only some? Is God able to save all who call upon his name? Is, it, is his blood only good enough for a few? Or is blood good enough for all who will respond to the invitation? His blood, he's, he has that power and the ability, the Lord Almighty, all-powerful, able to do all these things, all these things that we see he is able to do. So we see the multitude praising God in the heavens. And we see the motivation here that we've just been talking about. Now, what's the message? What's the message of the praise that they give? Here's the message that the, of the praise that they give. They praise Him for the salvation, for the glory, for the power, and some Bibles for the honor. All, all three or at times four are listed throughout Scripture. We'll see. This is the message. The message. I praise you for salvation, for glory, for power, for honor. These things laid out as they praise the Lord God Almighty. For the Lord God omnipotent. He reigns. He rules. In 1 Timothy 4.10, we consider the idea of praising Him for salvation. 
It says, For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Okay, what's he telling us? He's saying, look, he's the Savior of all kinds of people. There's not a kind or a perpen... There's not, there's not some category left out. Has not always been that way. All throughout time, people at various places in, in a power structure have, have tried to say, well, these, are, these people aren't really human, so these things don't apply. It's happened in our own history, didn't it? Don't we reap the benefits of it still? When we, when we had slave traders steal black men from various places... Uh, black men and women, bring them over. Why, why could you do that? Why did it not matter? Well, they're not really humans. What about uh, when Germany was killing all the Jews? What did they say? Why can you do it? Why is it okay? Why did the churches that were in Germany not stand and raise a ruckus? Because they said they're not really human. But what does the Word of God teach? The Word of God teaches that God died for all men. All all men he died for. And who are saved? Those believing. Those believing. He died for all. But only the believing are saved. Right? Everybody's not saved. We're not universalists here. Everybody's not saved. You have to receive, answer the invitation. You have to be clothed in Christ. Right? However you want to look at it. We respond to the invitation, and God brings His salvation. So we see, especially those who believe. Titus 2, 11 and 13. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope. Isn't that what we're doing now? I hope that's what we're doing now. He says, look, salvation comes to people. People's lives change. Yes or no? People's lives change. You got hit by a truck. I'll know you got hit by a truck. You come to faith in Christ. I'll know you got come to faith. It's not, it's not just going to be business as usual. Things change in us. Things change. I'm not the man I will be, and I'm not the man I was. God is performing a work. And I'm waiting for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah, looking for Him. That's why we praise Him for salvation. We praise Him for glory. Psalm 24, 7 and 10. You'll recognize this psalm. Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. You know, the King of glory came to the temple once. Nobody knew it was Him. Did you know that? Jesus come walking in. They even sang his praises all the way through the gate. They said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Pharisees said, Jesus, tell these people to shut up. He said, I can't tell them to shut up. This is the day that the Lord has made. If I tell them to be quiet, what happens? The rocks will cry out. Yeah, you don't, you don't get a pass today. Today they're going to proclaim why the king of glory is coming home. Just think about what he said when he got there. My father's house. My house would be a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. Four days later, he leaves. 
And as he's walking out, what does he say? Your house is left to you desolate. The king of glory came. One day he's going to come again. And he's not leaving that day. He's not headed to the cross. He's headed to the throne. He's headed to the throne. The king of glory. Who is this king of glory? Verse 8. The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. It's kind of interesting that the eastern gate's shut now, isn't it? It's hilarious to me because you get there and they say, well, yeah, the Ottoman Empire, they, they figured out that you probably wouldn't get a Jewish holy guy to walk across a graveyard. So they put a graveyard on the other side of the door and then they, then they lopped it all up. So they, they figured that would keep Jesus out. Don't keep out somebody who, with his voice, can raise the dead and, you know, snap his fingers and the door's open. It's not going to work. And you hear what this song is singing? The King of Glory's coming home. Door's open. Open up. He's coming home. He's coming home. We praise him for his glory. Psalm 29, 2, ascribe to the Lord the glory. Do his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. God Deserves all glory and praise. No? All glory and praise. Psalm 115.1 Not to us, O Lord, not to us. But to your name give glory. I didn't do a thing. I didn't do nothing. I was drowning. Somebody threw me a lifeline. I grabbed it. Nobody praises a guy grabbing the string. Who do we praise? The one saving us. The one saving us. Not to us, but to your name be the glory. And for the power, the Lord God Almighty. Revelation eleven seventeen. We give thanks to you, Lord God. There's a phrase. Almighty. Same word. It could just as easily be Lord God Omnipotent. It's the same word. Ponto Creator. All-powerful God. Who is, who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. I cannot wait. I, I cannot wait till... Till all stupidity is banned from the planet. I'm not going to miss my stupidity at all. And I'm pretty sure I'm not going to miss anybody else's. Man, I'm looking forward to it. I I, I cannot turn on the news. Three seconds of watching the news... And I, I'll turn it off. There's no use for a TV anymore. I used to tell Kat, well, we've got to have TV because I want to see the news. I could care less. The news is full of stupid things. Oh, yeah, I get current events, but the funny thing is them current events come across all 400 different things first. Before they, but when they get to the news, they have something stupid to say about the things that happen. Uh, I'm not going to miss that. I'm not going to miss, hey, Lord, when the Lord reigns, that's done. That's over. It's done in me. It's done everywhere. Finished. Every rotten thing we don't like about this place is gone. What's left? Every good and perfect thing which comes down from our Father in heaven. Yeah? No, nothing dark, only light. And what a celebration that day will be when the Lord God omnipotent Reigns. So look at the preparation of the bride. Verse 7. So let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. <coughs> His bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. 
for the linen is a righteous deed of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I told you, two suppers. We'll see the other supper next time. Bad supper. It's bad if you get invited over to dinner and the first thing the guy who's feeding you is calling the vultures to come and eat. That's what we're going to see. Call every bird of prey. It doesn't say in that section, blessed is he who's invited to this supper. But the marriage supper of the Lamb, blessed is he who's invited. Blessed is, uh, blessed is he who's invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. So I want us to be able to grasp it. I want us to be able to see the preparation of the bride laid out for us. First thing I want us to see, it says, let us be glad and rejoice. And literally that word rejoice is to jump up and down for joy. So it goes back to what I said. When you're in the presence of God Almighty, that is the natural state of the expression of your heart. We say, sometimes we say, oh, I don't know what it's going to be like I get to heaven and it's all this praise and worship, singing, God all the time. I'm not going to... Oh, don't worry. You're not going to have to work it up. You're not going to have to go, oh, I wonder what I'm going to do. It's going to come popping out your lips. Because in the presence of God is inexpressible joy. You and I have never felt that before. No matter how happy you've been. Unwrapping that new Harley. That was not inexpressible joy. Was not. Inexpressible joy? Oh, oh, man. That's going to come bursting forth. So he says, let us... Let us be glad and rejoice, literally jumping for joy. Why? Because it's time for the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's our wedding day. I love that song we, we sang earlier, where, a song called Ever Be. I don't know if you catch it, but it sings about a bride. What's going to happen to her? She's going to be perfect. I don't know about, about you, but I'm not perfect. But He's going to make me perfect. He's going to make me what I wish I was. He's going to make me. He's going to name me, and I'm going to be joined to Him forever. Man, that's, that is a glorious day. I spent a long time wishing I could look into His eyes, see His face, hear His voice, be jealous of the disciples who all got to experience that. You know, the Bible says, and thus we will be with him forever. I like that word. Forever. That sounds good to me. Good to me in the presence of Almighty God. Why are we rejoicing? Marriage supper of the Lamb. In Matthew eight eleven, listen to this. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table. With Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. What's he talking about? Marriage supper of the Lamb. That's what he's talking about. This is the marriage of the Son of God being wed to his church. The best maids and the best man, they're going to be the Old Testament saints. They're going to be gathered around the same table. Tribulation saints will be there. There will be this incredible celebration. He says, they're going to come from everywhere. They're going to want to be here. They're going to want to be at this table. Matthew 25 tells us about coming, right? 
Matthew 25, the parable of the ten virgins. We're familiar with it? Ten virgins were waiting for what? Marriage supper. What marriage supper do you think they're waiting for? And what is it that they have to do to be ready for the marriage supper? They have to have oil in their lamps, right? Got to have oil in your lamps. What is oil representative of throughout the scriptures? Holy Spirit. So when somebody comes to faith in Jesus Christ, does the Bible not declare that the Holy Spirit becomes a part of him? That he becomes the temple of God? The Holy Spirit moves in? Now we may walk better or worse in terms of being baptized or empowered by the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit's there. When Jesus came to his disciples, he said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. I don't believe the Holy Spirit came two weeks later. I think the Holy Spirit came right when Jesus said, just like light. When Jesus said, let there be light, what do you think happened? Light said, I'll be there in a couple minutes. What did light do? Boom, I'm there. <clears throat> Jesus speaks, it happens. Holy Spirit's there. Two weeks later, the Lord said, you stay here and you stay in prayer and I'm going to give you power that you can't believe. And so the baptism of the Spirit comes upon them. They're empowered for ministry and they turn the world upside down. You got the Holy Spirit in your lamp? If you're saved, you got the Holy Spirit in your lamp. If you're not saved, you don't. And on the day that the wedding supper begins, it'll be too late. The Bible tells us all the time this phrase. Today is a day of salvation. It never says tomorrow. Today is the day. It says now is the time. Not later. Now. Why? Because it's always too late. Too late to wait. Don't wait. Have that heart right. Have that heart right for the marriage supper of the Lamb. John 3.29 says this. This is John the Baptist speaking. The one who, who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is complete. What's he saying? I'm the one rejoicing because there's the bridegroom, the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. I'm here. Old Testament saints will fulfill that role being part of the, the bridegroom's party. Next thing we see is the importance of, of the, the clothing, right? You have the bride. <clears throat> they're celebrating the marriage supper of the Lamb. But there's something special about her. It says, it was granted for her to clothe herself with fine linen. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. It's granted to her. Look, God has given that opportunity. We can see the whole picture, guys. In Matthew 22. I told you we're going to go look there. So we'll go look there now. 14 verses, Matthew 22. We want to understand this concept of the marriage supper and how you get into the marriage supper. Simple. You got to be, you got to, you got to meet the dress code. There's a dress code at the marriage supper. You got to be clothed in white. You don't get in. You have to be clothed in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1 in the bracha of Ephesians chapter 1 from 1 through 14 you have this incredible long sentence about all the things that we have in Christ and literally what's it talking about it's the things you have when you are in Christ you're wearing him 
You are clothed in Christ. When you are clothed in Christ, you're chosen, you're predestined, you're, you're, you're the elect. All these things that the Word lays out. In verse 13, it tells you how you got there. You heard the Gospel, and you believed. That's how you got there. Look at Matthew 22. Again, Jesus spoke to them parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Sounds familiar so far, right? Everybody tracking? And sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast. So God chooses who he's going to send, his servants, to call people to the wedding feast, to invite them. So they go out. He sent his servants to those who were invited, but they would not come. They wouldn't respond. Again, he sent other servants, saying... Tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention. They just went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, sent his troops, destroyed the murderers, and burned their city. Then he said, Again to his servants, the wedding feast is ready. Those invited were not worthy. Go therefore, take the main roads, and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. Everybody you come to. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found. What's the next phrase? Both what? Bad and good. I'm kind of surprised it says and good. Should have said it bad and bad or bad and worse. He went and found them good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled. A multitude. A multitude were there. But when the king came to look at the guests, he saw there a man with no wedding garment. He has no garment on. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? He was speechless. You got to understand. When all those people walked into the king's palace, he didn't require them to have their own garment. He provided a garment. Where was the garment? Right outside the front door. So as you come walking up to the, to the front door, there's a big box full of garments. All you had to do is reach down, pick up the garment, put it on. Nobody's going to praise you for putting on a garment. You're going to put on a garment, you're putting on what's been provided by the king, and you come in. But this guy didn't do it. He's like, I don't have to wear that. I can come here any way I want. There's lots of roads that lead to the marriage supper. Really? Well, what happens to him? The king asked him, how would you get in here? He couldn't answer him. He was speechless, so the king said to his attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into outer darkness. Outer darkness? I thought this was the king in a kingdom. Cast him into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then he tells us why. For. Remember I told you what for. What's for there for? To tell us because, right? Because. Many are called. Invitation went to them all. But to get in, you've got to put on a wedding garment. Few are chosen. Many are called. But there's only one way through that door. You come in Christ in him clothed in his 
righteousness. So it's granted to her. She's given that. There's the clothing. Put it on. Put on this fine linen, bright and pure. The righteous deeds of the saint. Is there anything I do that's in and of myself that Jesus doesn't give me the power to do? Is there something in me that I, so I, I, I'm just handsome enough to, to, to get in the door? I'm funny enough? Uh, I don't know. Is there? No, it's not, it has nothing to do with us. Hopefully the goal is that we'll be a willing vessel to allow Jesus Christ to do that which is perfect. He's got the word. God knows what he's doing. It's crazy he uses us, but he uses us. Hallelujah, praise God. It's his glory, his praise. It's his clothes. It's his righteous acts he enables me to do. That's why the 24 elders are throwing their crowns at his feet. Why? Because they go, I didn't make this crown. They learned the lesson of Nebuchadnezzar. This is not the kingdom I built. It's your kingdom. You just let me come. You invited me. I put on the clothes you provided me. And I get in. Through the righteous acts of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So we see the invitation to the marriage supper. Blessed are those who are invited. So who did they invite? Who did the servants go out to invite? Only a select few? Everybody they met. Right? Everybody they met, they invited. Is that how we invite people to the marriage supper of the Lamb? Everybody we meet? Or occasionally do we run into somebody we think, too good or not good enough he said he calls his servants to go and invite everybody they come to to come because many are called many are invited that's our role that's our job we don't get to choose not a one we are supposed to do the inviting invite 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 some more. And invite again. When they tell you no, invite them some more. If they don't want to talk to you, they'll stop taking your call. That's okay. Yeah, they don't want to hear about Jesus, they'll unfriend you on Facebook. It's not the worst thing that ever happened to you. Trust me. It'll be okay. Invite. Invite them. Share with them the invitation that the Lord God gives. Blessed are those who are invited. What's the impact? These are the true words of God. This is the dinner you want to come to. This is the one you don't want to go to the other. One or the other. You don't want to be in the other. This is the one. This is the one we want to come to. Look at the purpose of the believer in the next verse. Verse 10. Then I fell down at the feet. Of the, uh, he falls down at his feet, the angel, to worship him. He said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold the testimony of Jesus. We don't worship angels, right? No, we don't worship angels. They're just ministering spirits. He says, worship God. You want to know what our purpose is? There's the first part. Worship God. How do we worship God? We praise Him. We glorify Him. We invite people to the supper. Invite. Share. What else? He says, the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. The testimony of who? Jesus. It's all about who? 
Jesus. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I will draw how many? All men to myself. What's our job then? Lift him up. We need to be lifting. If we lift up Jesus, he does it. If we give the invitation, he does the work. He says, my word will accomplish what it's sent to do. So if you share his word, it's going to have more effect than whatever magical thing you might have to say. Share the word of God. Even if all the word of God you can get out is repent and believe. Jonah had a short message and it worked. Didn't it? All of, no, Jonah wanted them all to perish and die. Rot. So he runs all, all irritated through Nineveh saying, 40 days and God's going to judge you. You're all dead. And they all repented in sackcloth and ashes. Why? Because it didn't have nothing to do with Jonah. Who's it have to do with? God. Man, it doesn't have nothing to do with us. What do we do? Exalt Jesus. Extol him. Lift him up. And you let him do the work. It's not about me, but it's all about him. What's the purpose for the believer? Worship God and exalt Jesus. He's called his servants to go, bring the invitation, invite people to the supper. This is the supper you want to get to. The next supper, not so good. This one, inexpressible joy. Being in that presence forever. Just, man, guys, that's the party you don't want to miss. That's the one right there. That's it. That's that day. You and I, we get a face-to-face with our king. I'm never going to see the president closest i've ever been to a president is maybe five yard, five or ten yards but he will never be able to tell you who i am on that day he's gonna know my name he's gonna know everything about me he's gonna look in my eyes not be too busy are you kidding me i'm not gonna miss that for the world that's all i want Because Jesus is worth it all. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray.